Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man that almost ended up at TCU, but ended up at Texas instead. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you? Don't you put that Zach Evans evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Um, the 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 worst thing you could ever say to my wife, like she she actually said to me during this quarantine, which I love. She's a Baylor grad, loves you know certain parts of Baylor, um, but she said I miss going to UT football games, and I was like, what? Um, she's like, yeah, it's always a great time, the atmosphere, the you know. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but the worst thing you can ever say to her, like I think more than she still claims Baylor is her hatred for TCU because um, those schools truly hate each other. Um, it, so if, if I went to TCU, I think that may have actually, that would have been a deal breaker for her. That's, I mean, rivalries never die. Like I will never forget. Um, it's not my brightest moment, but uh, the last Texas-Texas A&M game, I was hiding behind a chair. During the last, I was speaking over the chair, and my aunt looks at me and says, "So for the rest of your life, you're gonna cheer and get excited over these football games just because you went to school there." And I looked at her and said, "What kind of question is that?" Now stop talking. They're about to kick it. <laughs> it wasn't my brightest moment, but it's a moment that really encapsulates who I am as a person and as a sports fan. That's amazing. What a day that was, and indeed they uh, they kicked it, Gerald. And uh, spoiler alert. It was beautiful. I mean, I, I got I, I can't be the only person that gets like physically ill during those kinds of games. So you like I can't sit still, I have to hide behind something or I have to go walk around or pace or something. I, I, I would have to go back and look at some of the specifics, but I feel like that was my first ever like Muhammad Ali social media night. I was floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. I think some of my all-time greatest real-time commentary, and this is back in the days I think it was mixed between a little bit of Twitter and a lot of bit of Facebook. Woof. Um, but I just remember, you know, I, I grew up in San Antonio, obviously a lot of Aggie uh, interaction, and so just the, the trolling I was doing was unbelievable, and I needed that kick to go in because there were like a thousand a thousand posts queued up ready to just talk all of the mess back at me and then it went in and it was just a you know night king come at me bro um you know it it, it was wonderful I, I will at some point go go find some of my gems for the dear readers because I, I don't know even to this day live tweeting I don't know 250 games in my career now between basketball whatever sports uh that may have still been my finest hour it's it's got to be up there. So uh, we're back with another Rushmore episode, and we're in one that Kyle and I are super excited about, uh, and that is the volleyball team, the ladies of Gregory Gymnasium. And I want to say this off top. Kyle and I both, part of our journalistic upbringing, our journalistic education, uh, was covering women's athletics at the University of Texas. Uh, women's basketball and volleyball were my two favorite. Softball is probably up there as well. Those three, uh, the three big ones are the ones that I love the most. But I spent a ton of time. I got to call some live games during my time there. There was a lot of fun to be had 
while on campus for both Kyle and I. And so uh, we're going to gush a little bit. I'll be really honest with you. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to gush over some of these players and it's going to be okay. And it's funny because we, we actually, this one maybe as much as any, we tried to hide our biases of not just making a team of all the people we loved covering while on campus. Cause you know, they were really good um, as, as they always are. But uh, those like, those were our heroes cause they were there um, the way some people who were, you know, in, in, in college with Earl, Earl uh, Campbell, you know, we'll never see another running back run like him. I think Gerald and I had to really check our, our biases to not just have a, a list that was solely the, the mid to late two thousands. Um, but, there will be some of them because there were some incredible players. And I also just want to say off the top, we have said it. I, I'm going to guess more than we've ever said we're a kicking and, and punting podcast or more than we've ever claimed to be the Internet's only Texas tennis podcast. Um, we have said many, many, many times on this podcast that there is no greater sport experience at the University of Texas than a home game and especially a big game a rivalry game or a ranked game or an end of year game just a big game in Gregory for Texas women's volleyball the the intimacy the way that that ceiling holds the sound the way the people the fans are just uh looming over the court is just majestic I nay I, I may even say magisterial um it is it is like uh, some of my my favorite sports memories at UT were being there for 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 UT women's uh, volleyball screaming point Texas like that, it's just, ah, oh, it's so much fun. So, Kyle, I'm going to take this first one because okay. we've got we've got two that we think are slam dunks for the for the the Mount Rushmore, and this one comes as no surprise to anybody that followed me as I covered Texas volleyball, which is none of you probably. Uh, but from 2006 to 2009, she was the queen of the court, Destiny Hooker. The myth, the legend herself, outside hitter, one of five players in Texas volleyball history to be a four-time All-American, two of those on the first team. She was on the national championship team in 09, third, career, third, uh, third all-time in kills and points, fourth in solo blocks, uh, Big 12 all-time leader in solo blocks. A co-national player of the year in 09, Big 12 player of the year in 2009. Um there have been, I don't know if I've seen with my eyes, another athlete that was this far above the competition whenever she, and she was on, she was on court with, with other like elite volleyball players. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Julian Fawcett was on those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley Ingle was on those teams, like players that like are incredible volleyball players, but destiny hooker was head and shoulders above them. Um, and and I think it's rightful that she is the first one that we name. Uh, yeah, you, you could make an argument. There's some really good players, but I would have fought you or anyone else who, who tries to put anyone uh, above Destiny Hooker on on this list. I think she's as worthy as Kevin Durant for basketball or Vince Young for football um, or or you know uh, whoever for any sport. I think she's probably uh, as worthy. I, I I would actually. I, I think I've made the argument. I don't know if I've ever made this argument on the podcast. I've certainly made it in your presence. I would argue that she may be the single best athlete 
that ever played at the University of Texas under any sports. We're not talking about track right now, but just let's not forget uh, in track and field, she was the uh, the outdoor um, champion in, in 06, 07, and 20, uh, 2009. Unfortunately, she did not get the sweep four years in a row, but oh, don't worry. Um, she, in 2009, um, her winning jump uh, in the indoor, set an indoor collegiate world record in indoor. She was a four-time uh, NCAA champ, so she won uh, seven out of eight national championships in the high jump. Um, just an incredible, incredible athlete. I mean, th- there was there was no woman in her time in college and in probably any sport with the athleticism that she had. Um, and I would I would be curious to hear if there ever has been uh, before or since. Like there there have been a ton of multi sport athletes at the University of Texas. But I don't know if any of them have been as dominant at both. I think Brian Robinson is probably the only other one I can think of. Uh national championship in, in um or was a Basically, I think he was like an inch or two away from being a national champion yeah. in uh, in field. So I think Destiny Hooker probably takes it. They happen to be on campus around the same time. Um, but like, she basically had to choose: do I want to do I want to compete for the Olympics in soft or in in track and field, or do I want to compete for the Olympics in volleyball? And I think she chose right. Um, the well, national, it, yeah, she won it, gold medals with the national team. Like, massive stuff. And, and, and her sister, don't worry, covered the uh, the the gold medals for the 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 Hooker family. Marshavet was a gold medalist um, in um, remember which Olympic Games now, but uh, the family um, again from San Antonio represent. Uh, they they did just uh, just fine on the the track side of things in the Olympics. But my favorite probably stat about her, um, you know, the, the the co-national player of the year, whatever, whatever, um, was that in that really heartbreaking loss to, to Penn State in the NCAA championship, she was named the most outstanding player in a loss. Like, you know, typically it's the, the, the best player on the winning team, but she was so uh, utterly outstanding um, that, you know, you, you couldn't give it to anyone else. She went on to be, you know, like when she played for the Olympic team, she led, she got the best strike uh, spiker of, of, you know, multiple Olympic uh, games or FIBA tournaments um, that she was in, you know, just a, a, any, any person in the world. She just went on to be as good, if not, you know, maybe better. I don't know, but he, he, at least as dominant as she was in college uh, in her, in her uh, representation team usa so just one of my all-time favorite longhorns destiny hooker absolutely you will not get an argument here so i i I will i will keep going because i I mean i i don't know that the the powerhouse player that destiny hooker was i assume probably still um ends up in in burnt orange but i don't know without the kind of mold that was created for that type of elite elite player um that was uh, about 10 years earlier um she was 95 to 98 and demetria sans i mean another outside hitter from san antonio um who was just incredible you said you know destiny hooker one of five this is one of the other five uh to be named uh four times all four of her seasons an all-american um at the time i think she was the only uh eighth person in the in the history uh, of, of NCAA volleyball to, to do that feat. Um, but uh, Dimitri was just, I mean, two-time first-team All-American, four-time All-Conference, four-time NCAA 
regional all-tournament team. So makes it to the tournament and then is the best of that team every year. Um, she was the national freshman of the year. And there have been people who've argued that she had the best freshman year in the history of volleyball. I mean, it, it is it is crazy how good she was. That was arguably her best year maybe that she ever had. And she had four really, really good ones. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the funny thing, looking at the stats of the like uh, team leaders and kills um, per year immediately before it, uh, 361, 381, 409, 393. They actually bumped it all the way up to 450. She steps in as a freshman, 565 kills as a freshman. I think that's still like second or third all time um, in a single season at the University of Texas. Uh, just, just, just amazing that someone 18 years old stepped onto the 40 acres in 1995 and dominated absolutely all comers but i mean she during her time at ut uh, besides just getting tons of kills set 21 records um when she left she had kills attacks and digs she's now second uh in all three of those categories um she's also in the top 10 uh in aces which you don't always see from your outside hitters not necessarily the same skill set she could really do it all um being in the in the in the top of digs kills and aces um just tells you that it's it's uh it's a person who could do anything that, that they wanted on the volleyball card also went on to represent uh the u.s team at the 2000 summer olympics so uh i i think you just got the two nastiest outside hitters uh, that any team would ever want to face right there off the bat, one and two. And these are two ladies that I think would, if you if you put this career with any school, any you put them at Penn State, you put them at USC, these like these volleyball powerhouses, like I think the late those ladies end up on uh, their Rushmores as well, and so. Those are the two that are, I think, the the easy ones. And so this is where we always find ourselves, where there's like we have three people that could potentially fill the additional two spots on this Mount Rushmore. I actually think we probably have uh, three or four that could do it. And so, um, Kyle, we've got we've got to sort through. There are a couple of players that I think could, and I think one of the strongest ones or the stronger ones uh, is Haley Eckerman. Mm. Haley Eckerman played from 2011 to 2014, another outside hitter. They're the ones that are going to put in flashy numbers. Um, but she is, again, one of five players to be named four-time All-American, uh, one of two three-time first-team All-Americans, a three-time Big 12 Player of the Year, the AVCA Freshman of the Year, uh, 2012 and 2013 Volleyball Magazine Player of the Year. I honestly think she's probably um, – She's probably the strongest one of these candidates, and I would go ahead and probably think you agree with that. But um, the biggest kind of jewel or crown in her uh, jewel in her crown is the uh, 2012 national championship team. She was the leader on that team, kind of took Texas uh, yeah. to its second national championship and the first uh, in in nearly or in two decades. So I think that right there, on top of all the other accolades she has, uh, probably puts her in 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 my contention for Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I, I I thought about putting her in my second slot right there just because I think she the thing about her that I found so fascinating is she probably had the perfect career. She was a three time All American in high school, oh eight, oh nine, and twenty ten. She she came to UT, um, the number five recruit. So you know I don't know who those other four were. The number five recruit wins the national freshman player of the year. 
then goes on to be first-team All-American each of her subsequent years. She basically did every single thing perfect, won every you know individual award, and then it all culminated in winning that 2012 um, national championship where she she carried the team. Um, and, and so, I mean, that was uh, her first uh, national player of the year, 2013. She went on, of course, to, to, to defend her title. Um, so, I mean, it's just... You cannot have a better career than that. Um, it, it's crazy. She's 27. And she's already um, played professionally uh, abroad since then and, and done wonderful things And since retired. She's now uh, coaching in, in the ranks. I think she's the recruiting coordinator at, at Lamar down here in, in Beaumont. So, uh, again, another one who, uh, you know, not too far from home eventually, but uh, just, just the, the perfect career. Again, you cannot, like, no single one thing you need to say about it other than every single year at every level ever. She was the best. And I think that I think that for above anything else qualifies her, I think, to be etched in stone. Uh, and I think that's something that, again, we, we're trying to avoid recency bias on some of these things. We're trying to <laughs> avoid that. But like, it's hard to argue with. I mean, she's got more player of the years than Destiny Hooker, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that we have now. Again, it's hard to compare those two careers. Uh, but Destiny, uh, again, if if one gets you on the Rushmore, two uh, probably get you on there firmly. So, um, Kyle, what do you think? For me, she's 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 my my number two and a half. She's either two or three, but she's in my top four. Like I I, I was ready to fight you if you wanted to take her off. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm good. I'm Put good her with in. it. She's in. Okay. So that right. leaves us. It's gonna be a tough one. All the volleyball heads listening are going to uh, have some words for us. I oh. am sure. So, uh, Kyle, who's up next? I mean, there's like a there's like a big three right here, and, and that's not to, to to really you know. There's probably another three after that that are that are incredibly qualified honorable mentions but i feel like there's a big three and so i'm just gonna again in the same vein i'm gonna i'm gonna scoop off the top and and take the easy route um uh, your old heads and, and this isn't old but the older heads i guess your volleyball heads your purist will tell you you idiots you can't have a texas rushmore without Don Davenport, right? Texas has three national championships. We just talked about uh, one of them. Haley Eckerman kind of took the team, put the team on her back, though. Um, 1988, uh, it was Texas' first NCAA championship. Before that, they had a national championship, and I don't even remember what it was called, the organization that governed women's sports before uh, volleyball was was officially uh, an NCAA sport. Um, they had a championship in 81. So the, the, the first true, I guess, NCAA tournament champion um, – the, the, the captain of that team, the leader of that team, um, Don Davenport. She did the original Vince Young. So she had an incredible year in 1987. She led Texas in every category. There's no reason, no way that she wasn't an All-American. She was all-conference first team, Big 12 player of the year. She was everything in 1987. She got snubbed. Oh, boy, did she come out in 1988. Just came out, led that national championship team, just smashing balls all over, led the team, obviously, in kills. Um, won the the national player of the year that year. Um, I love the UT bio. Like, they list all of their all-time All-Americans in their, you know, their, their preseason um, uh, fact book, and, and they always give a little blurb. And hers starts the most poetic out of anyone. I, I Maybe I've ever seen in any sport. It just says the best player on the best team in the country, Don Davenport, dot, dot, dot. And I'm just like, whoa, that's 
that's a respect on that name right there. Another Longhorn who went on to play, uh, you represent the, the U.S. team. I don't think in an Olympic year, but did represent uh, the national team at Olympic Festival participant and stuff like that. Um, she was in the inaugural class for the UT Women's Athletic Hall of Honor in 1999. She's a Longhorn legend. <sighs> she's got to be. She's If she's not on there, she's, she's as close as a human can be. My nat- my inclination is to say she's on because again, one of the criteria we we've established is that national player of the year, right? Like that's one of the things that we've established. But that means we're going to leave off two players that own most of the career offensive statistics. But I think in this context, it's fair. You you win a national player of the year, you win a national championship, you're on the player of the decade team, and you're in the Hall of Honor. Like I don't see how we leave Don Davenport off the mountain. Yeah, she she was the conference player of the decade. You know, she's she's she, she. let's do you want to just go ahead and make the case and then we'll make a final decision, or are you making the final decision? I mean, I like we can talk about the other two, right? The other, the other two, um, Mira Topish, uh, outside hitter from 01 to 04, three-time All-American, uh, first team in 2004. But her biggest claim to fame or her biggest kind of uh, resume stuffer is that she is the career leader in kills, points, and aces. <laughs> so yep. every, every offensive statistic uh, that's for attacking or scoring is her. Every 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 volleyball statistic that you have control over taking the volleyball and finding the court on the other side of it that counts as a point, she did it. Kills, aces, points, she leads it. It's hard not to. It's just they, that, I don't know, the, the, for whatever reason, she doesn't ring out. I, I joked with Gerald before that I think the Croatian uh, internet is like stuck in the Space Jam 1996 GeoCities. Like, I just tried doing research and it's tough. Um, there, there is some stuff out there with their time on campus but really after that, all I know, she played for the Croatian national team for almost two decades. She's still playing, by the way. Uh, she was in school from 01 to 04. She's in her late 30s. Still playing on that national team. So she's good, but she just went over to Europe, played professionally. Um, they almost treat it like an internship on her career CV. Um, um, where she just came over and dominated some 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 young kids in, in the college game before you know the the pro career that's been successful and, and super uh, long long She's like the Arvita Sabonis. She just did her trip in the beginning. Um, I, I I don't know how you argue with that either. She's got the stats. She's she's got the stats, but dollars dollars to dollars, right? Like apples to apples. It's hard to it's hard to put her over Don Davenport. Like I think that's like when we stack up the two resumes, right? We stack up the what they accomplished. Like, is is her are her offensive statistics greater than than Don Davenport's achievements as a national player of the year, leading the team in offense, conference player of the decade? Okay, while we mull that over, I know Gerald. I'm not taking this one from you. You have a near and dear to your heart third contender for that final spot. So the third contender, Michelle Moriarty, um, is the one that owns the other career uh, statistics. She is, was the uh, setter on the 04 through 07 teams, uh, three-time All-American. She leads, again, assists and assists per set. Her 5,819 career assists are 1,600 more than the second. So a full season's worth of assists more than the next person on the list. And I don't think she... I don't think she has a strong case to end up on the mountain, but she's somebody we absolutely have to have uh, a conversation about. 
the thing that she did, being a setter, she did it better than anyone at Texas ever, ever has. I think we're going to go back to the stats, Gerald, and I just just took a look at it. So 01 to 04 is probably Jared Elliott's darkest uh, run. It's right when he took over his coach. His first big thing was pulling, convincing this girl from Croatia who is, you know, terribly homesick to come it was pretty great but that was kind of the whole team it was her um they 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 finished in conference uh sixth fourth seventh second uh in her time they made it to this the the regional semifinal once um but but only the second round of the tournament every other year um i mean they they almost had a losing record in in conference her junior year um going 10 and 10 so they were some of the weakest teams um in Jarrett Elliott's tenure and in fact i think they may be his only teams that he didn't win 20 games in so it's right at the beginning uh of his tenure and it it was a big poll and obviously led to uh, a a run of absolute dominance um in the in the mid 2000s after that um but maybe that's how we're going to disqualify uh or not disqualify i shouldn't say it that way we'll bump don davenport the legend over uh, mira topish who who just sounds like you know could be uh you know, like a really cool vibey uh rapper who shows up at Issa ray's block party on insecure um but uh no i i just i'm giving i'm giving don the bump over mira there and again a player who took the national championship and won the national player of the year over michelle moriarty who again is one of those really sentimental picks for both of us yeah i think i think it's fair we we i I, like the four that I really feel, I, I would be willing to put my name next to is Destiny Hooker, uh, Demetrius Sands, Haley Eckerman, and Don Davenport. Like those four are the four that really feel like I, I'd I'd be fine signing my name next to. Is that is that fair for you, Kyle? If I had a gavel, I would bang it, but only after I mentioned the fact that the honorablest of mentions, I'm going to do it quickly, uh, Kat McCoy, because her last name is McCoy, as well as being a 2017 first uh, team All-American. We've always said you're only as good as the amount of McCoys you have. Uh, no relation. Um, but the libero led the uh, the backcourt defense uh, national championship appearances in 2015-2016. All-time leader in dig. She broke Demetria Sansa's record um, that she set. Mikhail White. Someone we love. Come on. That's that's our recency bias there. Covering. She's been during the time of this podcast. We've been shouting out her statistics every week during the season. One of those five uh, all-time Longhorns to be named. Uh, four times to an All-American team. Twice first-team All-American. And then uh, Chiaka uh, Obugu, who's, who's just, you know, probably, you know, up there. If if, uh, if, if Don Davenport is your on-the-mountain all-time best middle blocker, uh, Chiaka is probably your, your, your second-best all-time. And at any other school, your best middle blocker. Uh, um, one of only two Longhorns ever to be three times first team All-American. Also one of those five to be four times to an All-American team. All-time leader in blocks, uh, block assists, um, second all-time in career uh, hitting percentage. Uh, played for that U.S. national team. Just a really, really good player that, again, th- these honorable mentions I- I keep coming to Texas. I love it. But any other school, you're on there rush more. So it's a tough break. But um, I think we have our four. I think Yeah. And I think we, we do have to mention Coach Elliott um, and Coach Haley. Like those two uh, have the two national or the three national championships for Texas. Uh, Elliott's the one that resonates a lot with you and I because he was our volleyball coach, right? 01 to 2020, won that 2012 national championship. Uh, eight Final Fours, National Coach of the Year in 2012, Regional Coach of the Year, uh, I think, what, five times? 04, mm-hmm. 07. 10, 11, and 13, which is weird that he didn't win it in uh, 12 because he won the, the National Coach of the Year, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then six-time 
Williams, uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year. Uh, Mick Haley coached from 80 to 96 before leaving to coach the Olympics, uh, won an NCAA championship and then a national championship of another ilk uh, before that and had four Final Four appearances, uh, including that 88 championship. So we got to mention the coaches as well. I think it's a good point. Uh, I don't know that either coach breaks through into that rush more like some of the other legendary ones we've had in other sports. And also because I don't want to argue about taking any of those four. We just got up in granite off of that that stat, that, uh, that rock face. So uh, huge props to two awesome coaches. All right. So um, I'm going to take it to our, 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 our new uh, in the times of, of the COVID uh, closing segment for our, our midweek uh, show the the Godzilla Tron, Gerald. We like to talk about as as folks come to DKR and look at the giant screen. We are on our couches looking at our you know moderately sized screens and talk about what we are watching. So, Gerald, what are you watching on the Godzilla Tron? Uh, so I'm still plugging away at the shows that I was talking about. Uh, Justified Scrubs, both are really really uh, quite good. But uh, my wife. My, my wonderful, beautiful, incredible wife came to me last week and said, I want to watch all the Marvel movies through in order. Ooh. She suggested this. So uh, this weekend, we successfully went through the original Iron Man and uh, the Incredible Hulk, the canon but not canon. We kind of ignore it, <laughs> uh, but it still kind of exists. Uh, Marvel movie. And uh, the original Iron Man holds up just as good as it always was. Um Incredible Hulk, I'm going to go and say it and somebody's going to be mad at me, is awful. It is real, real terrible. <laughs> I have never seen three less charismatic leads. Like, I feel like the three leads of that movie are trying to outboring each other. And it's fine that Edward Norton was replaced by Mark Ruffalo because Mark Ruffalo is not a piece of wood. Uh, so there I said it. Now, Edward Norton's been great in other things. Great okay, in other fair. things. Fair. Great in other things. But in Hulk, he was not good. Man, okay. I was gonna say because there's there's some American History X fans that I wouldn't want getting getting mad and coming after me for for my Ed Norton takes. Um, fight like Fight Club. He was great. Fight Club. He was great. Absolutely. Uh, in that his magician movie in the summer where there were two magician movies. Oh there yeah. Was the Prestige. And Not the Prestige. The other one. The other one. Him the and other Paul one. Giamatti crushed it. Right. Uh, like, Uncle Edward Paul. Norton's been great in in stuff, but he was not yeah. great in Hulk. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's okay. I'll give that to you. That's 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 very very okay. I, I love me some Ed Norton. But so, um, man, I'm very curious to hear all your updates. This also should load up your other podcast with with uh, hashtag content uh, the machine right there. So so good on your wife. Um, I have been, as I mentioned, going through uh, Sopranos with my wife, who loves for whatever reason more than anything mobster films and movies and 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 uh, the 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 mobster aura. Uh, and she'd never seen Sopranos, which I think is, you know, in the in the Troika uh, of of big three uh, for mobster stuff. You got to see the Godfather series. Uh, she would tell you Goodfellas is, is right behind it as the number two. And then I think Sopranos is just such a well done show. So I'm rewatching it. She is watching it. Uh, we're in season two. A lot of Gabagool, Capacol, Mozzarella, you know, just the, the one, whoa, whoa, you know, like the, uh, this is just wonderful. Catch myself talking like it all the time. It's wonderful. It's just a beautiful uh, show with so much 
presence and scene and environment. You are in their world completely, um, and, and there's nothing really like it. Fantastic. But the new thing this week is uh, if you are uh, if you have an Xbox, the the Xbox Game Pass uh, alert that I have been waiting for for I don't know a good year and a half at least um, because I'm cheap and I didn't buy it. I'm way behind the curve. Just now starting the sequel to my favorite game of all time, which many have said is their favorite game of all time, Red Dead Redemption 2 came this week to the Xbox Game Pass. So it took a couple hours to get that thing downloaded, but by God, my frugalness paid off, and I'm getting to play it for free. I'm only just in it, but uh, I'm sure I will be immersed uh, for weeks to come. I am so so excited to revisit uh, any of this world. I know it's a little different, obviously, than the original Red Dead, but um, the world that Rockstar created in in the uh, not so wild West. Um, man, I'm I'm excited for the times to come in that one. Grand Theft Auto's never done it for me, but Red Dead cool. does. Yeah. Um, I I love me some some Grand Theft Equine. It's it's really really good for me. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of downloading it currently because it's going to take six and a half years because I've got to clean off some other stuff on it. Just those Xbox. I need, mm-hmm. I need bigger hard drives. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but no, I'm I'm excited to dive into it. Uh, I'm also if you haven't played like the the two new Doom games, they're they're both really fun. So check those out as well. I play those on Saturday over my son's nap. That's all we've got for you <laughs> this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Gardner. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. I don't know what we're talking about this week, uh, but we'll talk about something. You can check us out this week uh, wherever you find your fine podcast content. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook up. Hook up. Stay safe out there.